Hi there, I'm Lori Hellman. I am mom to Skylar, who is an incredible adult son with severe nonverbal autism. My goal when creating the Living the Sky Life podcast four years ago was that the content of each episode bring hope, connection, and some valuable takeaways to each listener. In sharing the many relatable caregiver stories and experiences, I hope that you never feel like you have to travel your parenting journey alone. If you haven't already, please connect with me through my Facebook page, Welcome to My Life, Skylar's World, or Instagram, Welcome to My Life, underscore Lori Hellman, and let's keep the conversation going after each episode airs. If you are enjoying the podcast and are listening on Apple iTunes, could I ask a favor that you please leave a rating and a written review and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for tuning in and subscribing to season four of Living the Sky Life. This episode is being brought to you by Mia Via Toys, a brand dedicated to creating toys and learning aids for kids with autism, special needs, and other developmental challenges. I have a handful of Mia Via Toys that Skylar truly loves. Our newest addition is Baby Squiggly, the Little Octopus, and also the Domino Wall. They are really amazing products, and I highly encourage you to check them out. You can go to miaviatoys.com, that's M-E-A-V-I-A-T-O-Y-S.com, and use promo code SKYLIFE15 to receive 15% off your first order. That's S-K-Y-L-I-F-E-1-5. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Living the Sky Life. My guest today is Lauren Emmett. Lauren is a proud mom of two adorable kids, her son Wilson and daughter Charlie. Her oldest, Wilson, was diagnosed with autism when he was three years old. After those first few years of motherhood, especially the long, isolating road to a diagnosis, she was determined to try and help others who were beginning a similar journey. Lauren knew the more understanding and acceptance of differences there is in the world, the easier it may be for her boy and so many others to navigate through it. Lauren began blogging about her son's journey at wilsonsclimb.com and eventually launched Little Rebels with a Cause, an apparel brand to create conversations through clothing that donates a portion of sales to incredible nonprofits that work in the field of disability services and advocacy. You can connect with Lauren on Facebook at Wilson's Climb and Little Rebels with a Cause or on Instagram at Wilson's Climb and Autism Journey and Little Rebels Cause. So welcome back to another episode of Living the Sky Life. Today, I have the pleasure of talking to a mama I met in person in Minnesota, and I was so glad to meet because I um, have been a fan from afar, and so it was nice to put so many people with their faces and their and their pages, their blogs, and all of that. So Lauren with Little Rebels with a Cause, thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I just, I, I had so much fun talking to you at Kate's house and um, we have a lot in common in, in that I'm years ahead of you, but our kids are the same age differences and there's a lot of similarities um, in our lives. So first, do you want to just talk a little bit about your family as a whole, your family dynamic and um, kind of when Wilson was born as your first firstborn child, how autism kind of entered the picture into your family and just kind of how we are up to date with his nine-year-old self and <laughs> your daughter's seven-year-old self. 
Yeah. So we, um, my, like you said, Wilson, my son is nine and my daughter, Charlie is seven and we live in Oregon and Wilson, when he was about two, we probably started noticing, we did notice like speech delay and we really kind of explored that for a really long time because he just was, uh, in a, he was in a preschool class and we noticed that he wasn't talking as much as the other kids. And that's, you know, with it being my firstborn, that's really where I got to notice that because at home, I probably wouldn't have noticed that for much. I probably would have let it go a lot longer, but being and seeing some of the other kids in his class that made it a little more obvious that we needed to explore something going on. And he was pretty picky about textures and things um, in the classroom as well. Like he didn't like the shaving cream and the finger paint and So we also explored sensory processing disorder for quite a while. Um, I've often talked about our road to a diagnosis of autism was really, really long. I think it is for a lot of families out there. Um, But yeah, the speech delay was kind of our biggest thing that we explored and apraxia and, and all the things. And then we landed on autism when he was about three and a half. So then he ended up doing some ABA therapy and speech therapy, OT, all the things. We kind of got those things going before the diagnosis, truly. But um, but yeah, and now he's in a therapy center um, with other kids with autism, and it's just been wonderful for him, and he's made so much progress. It's, um, it's, it's crazy to look back, even a couple years, because when you're in this life, every, every bit of progress often feels really slow. So um, it's really nice to look back sometimes and just realize how far he's actually come with, with so many different areas of his life. But what so is yeah. his, his communication now? Um, does he use any AAC or is he completely verbal enough to, you know, get what he needs? Yeah. So he is, um, I would say he's, he's verbal. He's definitely kind of in the middle of that kind of description where he has a lot of words and he has a lot of phrases. He uses a lot of scripting, Okay, he does a great job of scripting to communicate what his wants and needs. Um, he's not conversational. So there isn't, um, you know, there's not what you do at school today, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, future and past is very difficult for him. He's very in the now. Um, so, so yeah, he, he has some verbal skills. We're kind of on the cusp of trying to decide if some written stuff will be better for him because he's working on, um, he's working on reading and writing and things like that, but we're kind of on the cusp of trying to decide what is going to be his easiest form of communication. You know, even though he has some words, they're not always easy for him to find, especially mm-hmm. if he's stressed out or anxiety and frustrated, um, they get even harder to access. So, yeah, I think scripting is so fascinating. Skylar's never done that, but in so many people that I've spoken with on the podcast and, and outside of it, I, I feel like the scripting takes more brilliance than just the way we converse with each other and just, you know, like bring up something that we want to talk about, like this hurts yeah. and for, to go through their, you know, arsenal of movies or TV shows or whatever it is and know exactly which episode and which scenario to explain their feeling to me takes so much more depth than we even can probably realize. It would be so much easier for them if they could just communicate the way that we do very straightforward. But um, it's just remarkable. Has he, 
has he always done that? Or is that something that's come on with age that he's learned, Hey, I can better explain it this way from an episode of whatever his favorite shows are. It is so fascinating. No, I totally agree with you because he has the most incredible memory to, to retain all these ideas and scripts and, and not just what the words are saying. I'm sure a lot of your listeners are, are familiar with scripting, but he will repeat things with the exact same intonation every single time, you know, or like a song the exact same way. So he's not just memorizing the words that are said. It's just the pace and the sounds and everything about it. So um, it is, it is very, very fascinating. And so, yeah, to answer your question, he did do that um, very young. He was very into numbers and songs. And so that's what was a little tricky with the speech delay. We're like, wait, he, he knows all he can say all these words. But um, then to like truly use them in a functional way wouldn't be happening. Or after a few years of OT, he could repeat words pretty well, but then not use them when he needed them, Mm -hmm. you know? So, but yeah, the scripts he learned as he would sing songs and all that at like four years old and, but, but not be able to say mom. It was it was just, it was interesting and confusing, you know, and I remember, you know, all the forms we always have to fill out all the evaluations where they're having you count all the things. I would count all the numbers that you could say as one through 10. I'm like, oh yeah, that's 10 words right there. Yeah. So there's ways of, you know, clinging on to some denial and hope and all the things. And it just makes the road a little bit more confusing and long, but yeah. So it's, it's kind of wild because when we do fill those forms out on the one hand, it depends. I feel like for me, it depends on where I am and what I'm doing it for. So if it's to get services or to get more Medicare or Medicaid a waiver money or whatever, I am very, very graphic. And like, you know, he cannot do this. He cannot do this. And I would hate for him to read it, but I feel like I have to be ex- extreme on those to get him everything that he needs. And then in other ways, maybe when I'm describing him or talking to him about some you know, talking to people about him, I definitely highlight all of his strengths and that, you know, he can do this and he's so great at this. I mean, it's just this weird game that we have to play as parents. Cause I don't want to downplay anything that he needs. And by saying, you right. know, like kind of your, your example, just kind of joking about, you know, that that's 10 words, but man, yeah, I mean, other, if you so don't, confusing. he's 18 months. <laughs> you know, it's so confusing. Yeah. And I remember the first doctor on some of those evaluations, I graded him pretty hard because I was like, no, he doesn't do this or that. And the doctor was like, oh, some parents grade harder than others. Don't worry about it. And it kept being like, oh, don't worry about this yet. Don't worry about this yet. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh no, we think autism. And I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, (laughs) you kind of need the diagnosis to move forward. And what what you do with it is kind of up to you as a family um, and how far you go. Now, his autism center, is it, is it a standalone autism program or does, do they ensure that he has, you know, reading and writing and math if he's up to that? And how do they do like the school part of it or, or do they? It's nice that it's small enough that they can try to work on the academic part with some of the kids. That's Um, great as they need it. Yeah. So that that's great. Nice. Well, it's nice. Does, yeah. does Oregon in general, I mean, I know he's nine, but, um, do you feel like the resources where you are in Oregon are pretty good? 
Um, you know, since he's not in a public school, it's hard for me to, to, to really know. Mm-hmm. We were lucky enough to just kind of always keep him in a private program. Yeah. Um, That's what we and private services. Mm-hmm. So I think that, uh, I don't know. And the therapy lists like long. And I mean, it just seems like every, it doesn't matter where you are. There's like a wait list. Speech is always one of the longest wait lists. It seems like there's just not enough speech therapists. Um, But for for therapies and stuff, did you have to wait a long time or do, do you know people have to wait a long time? We did. Unfortunately. Yeah. The wait lists were so, so frustrating. I mean, it's like once you have a direction to go in and you're ready to like hit the pavement running it's then you're just faced with these wait lists which is so frustrating and I know that I I think for developmental peds it's pretty limited around here now too and that's just yeah I think there's not enough people in the field in general yeah um, it sounds like in Oregon and in a lot of other states but yeah I'm on my mission I'm gonna try to find <laughs> where the best resources are, then, then I'm going to have to share and then everyone's going to move there and there's not going to be any resources anymore. (laughs) Um, well, you have, um, a blog that's such a joy to read. I love kind of diving deeper into people's lives and their journeys, um, with their kids and it's called Wilson's climb. And in there, you know, you've been very open about your entire family and talking about, um, Wilson's little sister, Charlie, um, who you mentioned already was seven, and that she's such a strong advocate for him, whether I think in one of your blogs, you mentioned like she'll go and run and get his headphones if he needs them to silence some noise, or she'll be the first person to announce to everyone, like my brother has autism and this is what it means. And mm-hmm. that is so cute. So being that that's all she's ever known, I mean, she's the second child. Has their relationship always been when she was old enough to kind of help you out? Has she always been kind of a little mom to him or you know, advocate for him or big sister to him. Like my, my younger daughter is kind of the big sister to Skylar, even though she's younger, what's their dynamic like? Yeah, I would say it, um, she probably around when she was about four, I think she started noticing just more about how he couldn't talk because she was starting to talk more. And so that's kind of when she was, kind of starting to hit with some questions like why doesn't he talk and things like that and I I've said before I felt like kind of a hypocrite because I was out there preaching so much um advocacy and parents please talk to your children about autism (laughs) and things like that on my blog because I just wanted so much more awareness of autism in the world so that he would be met with more patience and more grace when he is himself out in public um So that's around the time that I started talking to her about it. And to be honest, it was really good timing because I, I am a writer, so I've always been able to write things, but I still was having kind of a hard time talking about autism and how it affects us and that it's lifelong and things like that. And so some of her questions were a little hard hitting, like, is he going to be like this forever? And, you know, that was a good time for me to be able to, you know, explain why and how and what might change a little bit, but yeah, that he's going to be Wilson forever. And, um, she, she is a great advocate for him, like you mentioned. And I think just now that she's seven, she's picking up more on his differences because it was so nice. And, and that is kind of why I drug my, drug my feet to say, 
anything about autism to her when she was much smaller was that she just knew him for him. She didn't know any different, you know, she, she was, he was her big brother and she adored him. And I just wanted it to stay like that forever. And it still is. And she, but she's learning so much more. And, and now that she's seven, I think she's starting to get a little more bothered by the fact that a lot of people don't know what autism is. I, I taught her to explain to people and I didn't, I don't even feel like I taught her. I mean, like I, like you said, she'll just say, Hey, he's got autism or go grab his headphones. And now I think she's running into that frustration where, okay, mom, I'm saying these things, but people don't know what that is, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, she's yeah. watching you, obviously, you and your husband. I mean, she's mm-hmm. observing the things you guys are doing and maybe the way that you're mm-hmm. saying it. It's it's crazy mm-hmm. because they always are observing. Wilson and Charlie are both mm-hmm. observing you guys. But um, I, I feel like when when my daughter Kendall was little too, it um, it actually prepared me better when she asked me those questions because like you, I didn't just come up with it to people when I ran into them. Like I never defended Skylar or felt that I needed to explain him if he was odd in public or clapped at the wrong time or did something. Cause I was just kind of in a place where I don't owe anybody any explanations. If they have a question, they should ask me and people weren't asking me, but then if they did, I didn't really know what I was going to say. And Kendall prepared me for that because of all her questions. They're the same ones that a adult would have probably. So, um, you know, I, I appreciate her asking me because I probably was, you know, just well-versed in how to explain it very simply to people about him having autism. It didn't help that, or it didn't hurt, I guess, that she would have little friends spend the night. And the minute they would enter the door, she would say, my brother has the autism and um, watch your hair because he might pull <laughs> just like, thanks Kendall. That's so embarrassing. Yeah. No, it. It really prepared me too, because like I said, I feel like that was still a time where I was a little fragile about it all. And then getting to talk through things with her made me more like, okay, bring on the questions. I hope like now we're wearing shirts that say, you know, invite a conversation. And then you see things like, especially little friends asking questions. Why doesn't he talk? Why this or that? that's just a, I, I love it. I'm like, bring on all the questions because then that's just an opportunity for us to teach one more person mm-hmm. about differences and autism. And then they leave hopefully being more accepting of other kids they come across. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that I wish that there was more going on. I know there's a lot of moms that were probably mutually friends with, um, in social media, Amy McCoy is one of them who have written children's books and they get every opportunity they can, they can find to read those books in elementary schools to educate about autism. Cause I feel like if we educate the little, little kids, it just doesn't phase them. They, they ask questions and then they get the questions answered and they're like, okay. And then they go on playing. And it, if, if more kids were educated younger, then maybe we wouldn't have such a you know, adversity and, um, fear of inclusion of our kids later. It's, it's strange. Yes. It's so true. That is Mm -hmm. so true. Well, your company that I mentioned in the intro, little rebels with a cause is so awesome. And, um, I have now several pieces from your, uh, clothing line, t-shirts and sweatshirts and things like that. Um, I love the mission on your website and just talking about sparking valuable conversations around kindness and inclusion, a little bit of what we've been talking about with advocacy. How did this whole idea for the Little Rebels company come to be and the the product um, 
the products that you have and the, and the words like advocate, like the t-shirt you're wearing now and um, one of a kind on the shirt I got Skylar. And how did all of that stuff come to be uh, in your mind? Really? I mean, obviously Wilson, he was a big part of it. And so was Charlie, just, just what we were talking about. Um, it kind of started where I just felt like if Wilson could have something on him, on his shirt that said something, you know, I don't want him to have autism stamped on his forehead or anything, but at the same time, if we're at a park, I know all kids can't read or anything, but maybe the parents can, because there's been times at parks that are really difficult. And I'm just wishing some of these parents just kind of knew so that they could be like, oh, hey, he might like to swing too, or just like draw on the similarities. But, you know, with autism being kind of this invisible thing, you can't always see differences on people and, and kids learning about those invisible differences. Um, it kind of just started with that. So we started with um, the shirt that says we should be friends, hashtag inclusion, and just started making more things about inclusion and the little rebel mentality was kind of just about teaching little kids like we've talked about I feel like it's so important to be talking to little little kids even about things like inclusion advocacy differences they can understand that and and kind of teaching them to to know that their voice matters and to stand up for other people and embrace differences so that was kind of the little rebel idea and then with a cause is just our cause is just spreading more kindness and inclusion and, and people learning about that. And also the causes we support different nonprofits with every purchase. So that's kind of how the name came to be as a playoff of rebel with a cause or rebel without a cause. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So it kind of started there and it really snowballed because it, it just became more for the advocates and the moms and the teachers and the therapists that, all want to be starting these conversations too. And also for his, his neurotypical friends to be starting the same exact conversations, wearing the same shirts, the shirts aren't just for kids with differences, you know, it's, um, it's for the kids like Charlie who are accepting of differences. And I talk about the one of a kind shirt. I love that one. And I love it for both my kids because mm -hmm. we're raising Char Charlie to know that there's no one else on this earth like her and how awesome that is. And that that's a beautiful thing. Oh, I love that. Is that what the section on your website about raising rebels is kind of promoting to, to try to encourage the conversations? Is that, is it a little group that you started or just their friends that are nearby or what's that part? Yeah, so that that um, on the on our website, the Raising Rebels, those are our group of friends, and that really just kind of um, that helped me have the bravery to start this, just because they are so wonderful. We are just blessed with like a group of friends who have kids around our age, and they're raising their kids with these conversations about differences. And now I feel like all those kids, they're that's just Wilson. You know, they mm -hmm. they don't think he's different or weird or all the things. And I kind of just point out that kid, autism is so complicated. I mean, I'm still learning every single day about autism. So I don't expect or need kids to understand this complex thing that is autism spectrum disorder, but they can just learn that, Hey, he just does things that way. Kids are different. Think people process things differently. People speak differently. They listen differently. Um, things like that. So just kind of seeing how much Wilson has benefited from having little buddies that just accept him like that. And knowing so many of my other 
um, friends who have autistic children don't necessarily have that. And I just, that's just what really made me just, again, just want to get more conversations out there about autism and differences to help all the kids, you know, be accepted and, and have those conversations going. That's so wonderful that he has friends. I mean, I think if there's anything ever I could, I don't know that I could have changed it. Um, you know, I don't know whether it's having him in an inclusive autism program since the age of seven and not being in public school, or if it's just, you know, sometimes I think, is it me? Did I keep him from other kids because I was afraid that they were going to not play with them or pick on him or, or whatever. But I don't know that I could have changed anything. And I don't think that I did that, that I excluded him from things. But now that he's 20, all I want is for him to have a friend. And it's, it's hard because I can't even hire like a respite provider that's around their twenties. You know, it's a male that could kind of be his buddy and also watch out for him and take care of him too, um, out in the community. So it's, it's so beautiful if it can start at a young age that they have a group of friends for both your daughter and your son that can all play together, grow up together and engage with one another. Um, Cause I feel like that is one piece that's missing from a lot of families with people on the spectrum is the friendships. I hear that a lot from, from parents. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and to be honest, we still struggle with it. It's, it's so nice when we do all get together as a group, but he doesn't necessarily, you know, he doesn't go to like the, the birthday parties and, you know, things like that because he can't really nurture a long lasting friendship yet, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it is nice to have when we all get together for, you know, an event or camping or they, we can invite them over things like that. But mm-hmm. that part is really, really hard. And it probably is going to take us all facilitating that, that for a long time. Um, but yeah, I feel like hopefully like a respite provider or something that would be mm-hmm. possibly an opportunity for Skylar. Yeah. I think that's the piece of inclusion though, that I, I hope people understand that don't live in this bubble that we do. It's, it's not even Wilson attending or Skylar attending a birthday party because sensory wise, that might just be too much um, for them, but to be, to get the invitation. Like I would rather get a hundred invitations and us go to two than to get a hundred invitations. And then the next year we don't get a single one because we were like, well, they're not going to come anyway. So why bother? Yeah. It's the one time that you don't send it that we probably would have come. So just keep sending yeah. it, just keep inviting. And um, whatever the oh, situation is, point. you know, we'll work it out. We'll, we know what's best for our, our children and it, it's going right. to be best for you too, because if it's not a place they should be, we wouldn't do that to you. So like we You're we're right. helping you out, but we just appreciate being included. The parents no, this do. Is so this is so true because mm-hmm. they do feel like at nine, that's really already happening, you know, where it's like, oh, they said no a couple of times. So we don't need to invite them this time. <laughs> and it's true. It's just, you know, we have to decide when and what, and on a different day and the location, it all needs to be so thought through for all of us. So Mm -hmm. Just the opportunity is still so appreciated. And I'm sure people don't realize the extent of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. On the parents too, because we're lonely. (laughs) It's not like we want to say no. We'd love to get out of this house. (laughs) Um, On a a different note, I guess, what are the things that, um, that bring Wilson joy? What, what makes him smile? Is there 
like we were talking about his scripting. Is there a certain show he absolutely loves and is obsessive over or a toy or an adventure or an outing? What does he love to do? Yeah, he, he has recently taken on swimming uh, with the storm, which is just so shocking because this is our kid that for eight years hated getting his head wet. <laughs> and now all of a sudden he's diving for little um, toys and Aww. jumping in and doing a cannonball. And we're like, what is going on with you? This is amazing. So he he's always loved movement. Like he is our daredevil. He is fearless. He... <laughs> loves speed. He loves being on bikes and he's trying to roller skate here and there, things like anything with movement he loves. And he still loves music. He's so drawn to music. So I'm hoping to find maybe some type of instrument he could play one day um, because he seems super drawn to music and singing and uh, yeah. Maybe not drums. Uh, I know we did get him. We did get him a little drum set when he was like six and we still have pieces of it. Cause he also likes to take things apart and put them back together. But um, yeah, we've got pieces of the drum set around the house still. Well, he sounds like an incredible little boy and he sounds like he has a great yeah. imagination. And do he and mm-hmm. um, Charlie have little games they play together? Like, do they like to play outside together or is she just, yeah, yeah. They're um and it's just really fun to see them teach each other things. Cause I do think that um, him being able to watch her over and over and in, in with like something like swimming, then he, he, he finally decides, okay, I guess I'll try that too. So it's really fun to see them. And then there's a lot of things that he is so active that he does master before her like bike riding and she'll see him and be like, okay, I got to try harder to figure this out. And and things like that. So it's been fun for them to have each other with all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that is sweet. I think Kendall and Skylar more went through phases when they were little. She wanted to be all up in his grill. Like even when therapists were here, she would want to hand him his um, reinforcer or like whatever. And she was always helping. Mm-hmm. And then obviously like the teen years, she's like, get away from me. Like stay out of my room. Don't touch my <laughs> stuff. <laughs> you're, you know, just, you're too close to me. Even if he's a room away, it's still too close. But, um, I hope that it'll come back around too. that when, she, now that she's leaving for school, college soon in a few months and, you know, she'll miss him. I think she'll miss him. She may not admit it for a while. Oh, but... <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm sure it's always going to come back around in circles with that kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, she knows just how to push his buttons for sure. I don't I think he, I don't think he really tries to push her buttons. You know, he really kind of minds his own for the most part. Um, but she knows how to either help him out or, oh, this will get a rise out of him. But it's also, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's also really good sometimes for him to work on the flexibility. It just presents an opportunity to be, you know, hey, we can share that toy. Or she sometimes loves to help him try help him try new foods because she knows he won't want to. And she's like, I'll give it to him, Wilson, take a bite, all the things. Oh my gosh. Well, they are really the best teachers for each other. So mm-hmm. did you start, I know you said you love to write. Did you start your blog um, soon after his diagnosis? How long have you had Wilson's climb? I probably, yeah, I, I probably did. It's funny. I don't remember. I think I did around that time because it was a really good way for me to process all my feelings. And I've, I've written that before for, for all the 
new parents going through this, even if you're not ready to talk about it, I really hope that people find an outlet like that and they don't need to share it on the internet like I did either. Um, I kind of just did that because it was a way for me to connect with other parents and what they were going through. And, and now I just love that people can read, you know, your story and my story and feel less alone in their story. And mm -hmm. like you and I were able to be in a room with 250 caregivers and just see that we're really not as alone as we feel sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So that just is, that's kind of how I got going on it. And it just has been a really good way for me to process my thoughts and feelings around things. And mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. it is helpful. Um, I feel like too, and it, it is remarkable how many you know, each story is unique, but there is at least a tiny sliver of a similarity in almost every single person that we met in Minnesota and online. Mm -hmm. I'm still having people reach out to me even now, like that just found my page through someone else. And they're like, oh my gosh, my child has ulcerative colitis also, and, and also autism. And I, I didn't even yeah. know you were out there and my child is only 10. So your child is 20. So let's, let's talk. And I'm like, absolutely. Yes. In that, so it's in thank, place. thank goodness your story's out there and they found that, you know, that's huge. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't, and I, that wasn't, that wasn't as out there when Wilson was diagnosed and that was only six or seven years ago. And the internet was more like a rabbit hole. I didn't want to go down, you know, yeah. it was just kind of to nowhere where you're not seeing a lot of anything positive or relatable or anything like that. And so it's really cool now to see so many parents sharing their stories for, for a really good reason. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, um, with some of the nonprofits that you guys, uh, donate the pro some of the proceeds to from little rebels, um, I know more than a caregiver is one. Are there other, um, organizations that are outside of Oregon Are some of them local organizations or, or can you name drop some of the nonprofits that you guys support? Yeah, absolutely. So we kind of go, we kind of, we change it up about every quarter and okay. we like to support, we like to support Oregon ones, but we um, love to support ones, other places too, smaller ones, big ones. I, I really want to try and support as many as possible. So um, we've, uh, we've worked with one here that's adaptive recreation where they take people with all abilities um, to enjoy the outdoors. And predominantly it started with skiing which was, has always been a sport really important to my family. So I, I actually used to volunteer with them long before I had kids. So that was kind of a fun wow. full circle moment. Yeah. yeah. And I'm excited for Wilson to someday be able to go ski with them. So, um, so we did them and then we did a doll like me. I don't know if you're familiar with I that have one. I've heard of that. Yeah. Oh, Amy is so wonderful. The owner, she makes dolls that are unique to, children. So kids who have either limb differences or birthmarks or scars, she can make a doll that looks exactly like them because it's not something they can find in the store. And right. I just, it was so cool to hear so many stories connecting with her about just how important that representation is to those little kids to find a doll that looks just like them. And then we made some matching little rebel shirts for them. So the dolls had a one of a kind oh. shirt and and the kiddos had a one-of-a-kind shirt, and it was just the most, it was so much fun. Um, so, yeah, and what else did we do? We did, we've done some some Down syndrome ones where they're helping just build community within the Down syndrome community. Um, 
And then obviously the More Than Project, which you and I know a lot about that supports caregivers like teachers, moms, um, grandparents, and siblings. I thought the the More Than a Caregiver, I love that they did the sibling scholarship mm-hmm. where they um, just help support families because a lot of times funds are really tight and we're spending it all on therapy. And it was just an opportunity for a sibling to go to camp or something like that. Yeah. Um, I thought that was really cool. And then obviously supporting classrooms, just sensory, sensory things for classrooms was really good one too. So that's so incredible that, you know, not only have this great business, but that you are giving back and so many people are benefiting from, you know, your awesome, idea, but also financially too. So that's, that's so fantastic. How long has little rebels been, been out? The company? We're coming up on two years. Gosh, it seems like it's been longer because you have so much, you have, you have it so organized so well and you're doing so well. Got it, got a, like it. It, it was, it was a busy year. It was a very yeah. busy year. We got a lot, got a lot of new products in the shop and we had a super busy year. Um, one of the more recent ones that we supported was a community here for adults that are autistic that is called We Built. And they build um, just really intentional condos to for to support independent living. Um, and I, it, it was the coolest thing because they everyone could cater their condo just exactly how they needed it with sensory swings or their collection of soap bottles or, you know, it was just really cool. It's a great community. And I really hope more of those start popping up everywhere. Me too. That's the biggest crisis we're facing right now. I know. Scary part of adulthood is a whole nother, whole nother level, but, um, oh man. Well, um, you know, I guess kind of in, in wrapping up, what is it that you really want the listeners and the world outside of, again, this bubble of autism that we're in to know about Wilson and, you know, maybe what you've learned from being his mom. And you you said you volunteered at an organization before you had children. And now that you have a child that's unique and has special differences, um, have you learned anything about yourself from him? I'm sure you have, but (laughs) that's probably a loaded question. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, the biggest thing I would say I want everyone to know and remember about Wilson and Skylar and so many other people is just that you have to presume competence. You can't take a snapshot of someone's cognitive ability or intelligence just by looking at them. And there's, he's just been my constant reminder that there is so much more going on than, than meets the eye, whether it's whether it's even about receptive understanding or just like what he is feeling and going through on that particular day, you know, and possibly like a grocery store line with the sensory overload, just, just knowing that everyone you meet has so much more going on. And that, that has been the tried and true that has just stayed through, especially with all these other families I've met along this journey. Um, Just, just having that tucked in back your head that, you know, if someone's being slow in a grocery store line or, you know, screaming somewhere that they shouldn't be screaming or things like that, I think it's just so important for people to know that there is things going on that you cannot see. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I agree. So, yeah. With you. <clears throat> I, uh, yeah. I feel like to the world at any age, when you see things like that, someone screaming out or whatever, I think the immediate focus people go to these days is mental illness. And, you know, I feel like through Skylar and other adults on the spectrum too, I have 
really reverted my thinking. And I try to, um, again, educate other people like, not that mental illness is a bad thing, but just like, it might just be an autistic adult that doesn't like the sound of that siren that's going off or whatever. Like, don't jump to thinking that they're, you know, schizophrenic or something. I don't know how to explain that better, but I just, um, right. it, like you said, you said it better than I can, but it's just, it's more than meets the eye. Our kids, we hear all the time, well, they don't look different. They don't look mm -hmm. autistic. They don't, I get so tired of hearing that. Um, clearly if he needs my assistance to get in and out of the car or whatever, cut us a little slack. There's something clearly a little bit different about my 20 year old than the average 20 year old. So offer yeah. your assistance or like, just, you know, back yes, off. <laughs> I've been in, oh yeah. I've been in that situation so many times where I'm like, um, carry my groceries for me instead of telling me I need to discipline my kid more, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah. Oh man. But yeah, it's just, and, and another big thing just with that is, you know, Wilson can, he understands and is listening all the time. Mm -hmm. You just wouldn't, you might not know that, you know, it doesn't always appear that way. And a lot of his friends at school, especially, and that was also another eye-opening time, I think for Charlie was seeing his peers at his school because like we all know everyone with autism is different right so she got to see other kids with autism that were different than her brother and so it's just it was very eye-opening and I think one of the big things too is just if someone doesn't appear to me listening maybe they're not looking at you and they're making a bunch of noise the big thing I've learned is that might be how they're able to focus on listening to you. Mm -hmm. They are like, that might be how they're calming all the other chaos so that they can understand and listen to what's happening in front of them right now. Yeah. Yep. I've seen that with Skylar too. I know you and I talked about mm -hmm. it. The fact that he doesn't ever look um, or stand in the same room when we're, when I'm reading to him for his spelling lessons. And then he comes and sits down and spells the words that I you know, ask him questions about. Yeah. I'm just like, how did you, yes. I, I thought you were over there. Like you, you weren't even yeah. paying any attention, but he totally was. So yeah, they're always listening. And that's why, I mean, listening. I feel like it's our job to, to shield them from the negative and from the stuff as much as we can, because I wish everyone understood, even people that are in this uh, line of work to, to give therapy and to be around our kids all day, they forget to, I think. And they say things that are hurtful with our kids in earshot. And I'm, I just, I really hope that people understand that even if a, a stupid evaluation that you fill out, you know, decides that they are 18 month cognitive level because they don't speak any words, that's not really true. And it took me a long time to understand that, that he was so much more than what that stupid evaluation said of him. I know all that paperwork. We just need to burn it after we fill it out because <laughs> it's, you know, we should boycott it. We're not going to yeah. pull this out anymore. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. Lauren, you are a true joy. I am so glad oh, we got to meet and so spend fun. the weekend together. I and, know. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, your husband looks like a phen phenomenal person. <laughs> All I've seen is <laughs> his photo he is. on the, on the website. I'm sure he's super supportive of the business. Does he do anything with the business too? Or is that um, much hundred percent you? He he gets very, <laughs> all the boxes, you know, nah. he gets real irritated with Good all the job. recycling and the, and the deliveries. And <laughs> no, he likes to weigh in on his opinion. I'm like, would you wear this? What about this color? So yeah, he, I get to pick his brain a lot, which has been really fun. 
That's true because yeah. I mean, there's a men's line. So, I mean, I know we got to get the guys valuable. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, thank you so much for your time and telling us a little bit more about your family and congrats on little rebels. It's a phenomenal company and you should be so proud of yourself. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me and for all you're doing. I just so appreciate you. Absolutely. We'll have a good rest of your day. You too. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Living the Sky Life and we'll tune in for the next episode coming soon. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Living the Sky Life podcast within Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play so you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released. Subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select the five-star rating, provide feedback, and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for listening.